the teams you care about. Patriots and the playoffs. I'm impressed, but I'm not surprised. This is exactly where I expected them to be. The stories that matter to you. Look, I, I can't seem to want to pull the trigger on any huge free agent deals for the Red Sox, but I would trade Bobby Dolbeck. That I know for sure. This is your home for New England sports. If UVM wants to win and win big, they need stars to play like stars. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? New year, new intro. It is the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Hope you all had a great holiday. Hope you are ready to be back at it here with us here this week. A full show, all 90 minutes. Side note, I am pumped to be back today. I am pumped to be in the office. I'm pumped to have a full show for all 90 minutes. January 3rd or the first Monday after the new year has to be a top three worst calendar year or worst uh, day on the calendar. I mean, my goodness. Like, we're just coming off back-to-back a lot of us four-day work weeks. I worked four and a half days last week, four days the week before. Like, this first Monday where you come back in and you have no more holidays to look forward to and no more short weeks and the bosses are going to be back because everybody's been on vacation for the entire month of December. This is a top three worst day on the calendar. I can't think even right off the top of my head which days would be worse. I mean, like if July 4th was on a Thursday and you've got to come back and work on a Friday, that would be pretty terrible. This day is right up there. The, the first Monday of the new year where it's like, damn. The last month, I mean, the last month and a half is we've just been in the candy aisle of the calendar. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah if you celebrate, New Year's. Short work weeks, bosses are gone, everybody's on vacay, the offices are empty, there's candy everywhere. We're all getting fat, eating cake that that people are bringing in. Like, this is, the last month and a half has been great, and here we are. This has to be right up there with the worst days on the calendar. That said, though, I'm pumped to be back. Patriots are going to the playoffs. They beat the Jaguars 50-10. to 5-0 to 10. It was 50 to 3 until about four minutes left in the game. Pats in the playoffs, 10 and 6, exactly where I predicted them to be. You can go back and listen to the tapes from late August, September. Doesn't matter. I thought that this team could get right here. Zach Cox, Patriots insider at Nesson, is going to stop by at 545. He'll break down the game with this interesting conversation around it, as well as the serious stuff. On Antonio Brown. You can get in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802 585 3026. Everybody? 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. They are Located in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. We've got 90 minutes to break down the game. Pats killed them. 50-10. to 10. They're in the playoffs. We've got 90 minutes to do that. We unpack the Patriots every single day after the game that we are in here. We're, we're going to unpack the Patriots from an on-field standpoint here soon. But I want to unpack the experience for me. I was at Gillette Stadium yesterday. It was my first ever Patriots game 
in person at Gillette. I've been to the Super Bowl four times, covered the game the whole, you know, the media weeks before. I've never gone to the game. It was my first game at Gillette Stadium also. It was awesome. It was great to be there. So before we unpack the Patriots, let's unpack the experience. Crew, can you find me any music here to put underneath this? Okay, I don't know exactly what that is, but we've got a little rock music there that we're playing underneath. It's You're playing me an hour-long compilation, so I think the music is going to change here throughout. So we'll see how it keeps going. But number one, unpacking my experience at Gillette Stadium. Gillette Stadium was super nice. Never been there before, as I said. I had amazing seats. Shout out to one of our listeners who sold me his seats for the day. Second level, last row, section 203. The seats were incredible. Back corner of the end zone. You could see everything that was coming at you clearly, but you could also see very well going the other way too. And this is just a hunch because I didn't walk around to every section of the stadium, but I don't think that there's a bad seat in the house probably at Gillette Stadium. The sight lines just feel like they would be good from anywhere. Like, I went to MetLife Stadium like six years ago to see a Jets-Broncos game. I was in the last row of the stadium in the end zone. I couldn't even see the action that was coming at me. You were so far away. I got to think that the sight lines are good in Gillette Stadium everywhere. I felt very, very good at it, even looking down at the far end of the field. So I loved my time at Gillette Stadium. Shout out to our listener, Steve, for his tickets. Those seats were incredible. Number two. The experience of getting there could not have been easier. Originally, my plan was to drive to Foxborough and deal with the parking, but I heard horror stories about how hard it was to get in and out of Foxborough and how the traffic was, and you got to get there four hours early and this, that, and the other. I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. So we found an alternative plan. We stayed the night Saturday night in Dedham, Massachusetts. We were 90 seconds from the train stop. The train took us directly to basically the front gates at Gillette Stadium. It was inexpensive. It was round trip. We left. It was right on time, both coming to the game and going back from the game. I would highly, highly recommend it if you are a fan going to any event at Gillette Stadium. I would absolutely do that again. Um, the only thing, and this I'm sure is a little bit of everywhere if you are a security type, I felt very, very bad for the police officers and security on the train getting to and from Gillette Stadium. About the last thing that they'd want to do, I'm sure, is be the mask police. You had these hammered college kids on the way back that were not wearing their masks. They were very, very, they were barely able to even keep their eyes open, nevertheless, have their masks on. So the cops and security had to go and play mask police and yell at them every time they walked by and they'd walk by and then the kids wouldn't do it because they couldn't find it or they couldn't figure out how to get it on because they were so hammered and tanked. So, hey, it's a federal rule to wear a mask. If you're, if, you can, if you're old enough to get that drunk, you're old enough to figure out how to wear the mask when you're supposed to. So I feel bad that the cops had to play mask police because I don't think that anybody really wants to do that. But eventually, eventually, most of them got the masks on number three speaking of the drunk college kids i gotta say though despite their idioticness on the mask front on the train it was just nice to be around some debauchery again 
Like, there were some incredibly drunk people. After nearly two years of being stuck inside and not being able to congregate and capacity limits, it just felt nice to be around people like that again, I gotta say. There was the guy three rows below us who had about 10 Bud Lights over the course of a game. What a brave soul that guy was. Up and down, up and down like five times with these beers. Two at a time, double fisting. I would have toppled over the concourse. No doubt about it. This dude was a champ. Ten beers. He had five trips double fisting, and he was ready to keep going through last call also. So that guy was good to see. How about fourth quarter? Drunk guy comes up. Last row, right? Last row, second deck we're in. Drunk guy walks up. He looks at the woman in front of me and goes, you're not my wife. She's like, no, I'm not. He goes, damn, I got the wrong section. So he walks back down. Five minutes later, the exact same thing. He came right back up the wrong section again. He's like, what section am I actually sitting in? Then he wanted to buy the woman in front of us a beer because he felt annoying to her. Buddy, they called last call like an hour ago. You're not getting a beer for her, and you certainly didn't need a beer for you. Uh, there was also, by the way, on the train, one of those college kids did throw up. Luckily, it wasn't near me, so I can laugh about it. If it had been near me, I wouldn't feel as uh, as forgiving. But again, it was good to... Uh, we got to change the music here. So, there you go. That's a little better. Um, look, the guy threw up on the train, but it was nice to just be near some people again. Nice to be near some people doing some things. I wasn't tailgating. I wasn't drunk, but... I wish I could have joined about half of those people that I saw. Number four takeaway from going to the game yesterday. In a world that has so much anger and so much unhappiness, do you know what clearly brings people the most satisfaction in life? Getting on the video board at a pro sporting event. You have never seen people be so happy in their lives as they are when they get on screen at a sporting event. And it does not matter who they are. Five-year-old kids, 50-year-old women, some of the drunk guys I saw, the shirtless drunk guys who were jiggling all over the screen, they were all loving it. Everybody was loving it when they got on the big board. So maybe all we need in life to make people happy is just carry around giant video boards and randomly show them on the screen. Because... Those people were very, very happy. I love. I was watching the video board every time out just to see who was going to appear on it next. Dancing, screaming, smiling, drinking, doesn't matter. Every single one of them looked like a kid at Christmas morning. Steve, who sold me the ticket, says, 11 beers at $11 a piece. That's an expensive drunk. That's true. Yeah, the beers were $11 if you got them in the, uh, in the Bud Light aluminum uh, bottles, which is what he had. And then there were $13 if you got the commemorative Patriots Cup. So he was bringing the Bud Light bottles up. So yeah, 11 bucks a pop. He had about 10 of them. That's $110 just that that guy spent on beer. Nevertheless, the ticket, nevertheless, travel, hotel, food, etc. Anything that he might have had. So good for that guy. That was a blast. I'm done with this music. This music behind us is no good. So, no good on the music. I We were trying to get an instrumental back there. And uh, it, Steve says, also, you're killing me. It's amazing what the video board people will do. You have never, every single one of them looked like Santa Claus had just left them stuff uh, that day. Every single one of them. I mean, seriously. The, I saw, 
There was the drunk shirtless guy with the giant beard who was just jiggling the fat. That guy was hilarious. There, The woman in front of me, directly in front of me, she was angling hard. She wanted to be on the video board so bad. I felt bad for her. She was moving. She was dancing. Every time she was dancing, she was eventually she was hugging the guy next to us. I mean, I don't even know who she was. I don't even know who she was with, but the people there were, uh, they were loving it. So they were loving it. Um, I got to say, as fun as it was to be at the game, and I loved it, you don't realize the certain things you take for granted on TV that you don't get in person. One was the first down marker. Now, luckily, our seats were good, and I was pretty attentive and had pretty good eyes on it, but you don't realize just how how spoiled you are by the yellow line. That was tough. You also don't realize how spoiled you are by having the broadcasters there. When Damian Harris got hurt and left the game, I didn't have any idea what happened until about two quarters later. When Adrian Phillips left the game, I didn't have any idea at all until I got home you know, four hours later from the drive. I was like, oh, wow, Phillips left the game. I didn't even realize. Well, yeah, you miss having the broadcasters. You miss having the uh, the yellow line. And field goals and extra points were probably the hardest thing to tell. I could not tell if any kicks were good from where I was sitting in either direction. Now I see why broadcasters could screw it up. That is very, very tough. I missed the head-on angle. All in all, though, great game. Great video board. Loved everything about it. A great experience. Shout out to Steve for the tickets. Uh, I can't wait to buy a pair from you next year. I'm, I'm going back. It was easy to get to. Great place that I stayed at the night before. We, Jess and I got a great dinner in Dedham on Saturday night. It was awesome. Loved every single bit, uh, bit of it. And uh, 50 to 10 was the final. Patriots beat the Jaguars. At 6.05, though, no joke, I'm going to tell you how my social media post yesterday from the game threw everybody into a tizzy. At 6.05, my social media posts just rankled everybody. I will tell you some of the things that people were wondering about my social media post in 20 minutes. What we need to do next, though, is take a very quick break, about 30 seconds. I have spent a bunch of time talking about my experience at the game. How about the on-field stuff? Patriots beat the Jags. Patriots 10-6. and six. Patriots playoffs. Zach Cox, Pat's insider at Nessanese, with us next on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in Brady Farkas Show right here on a Monday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Patriots beat the Jaguars 50-10, to and as a result, 10-6, and headed to the playoffs. I was at the game yesterday. I spent nearly all of the first segment just talking about my experience at the game. So now let's get to the game itself with our buddy Zach Cox, Patriots reporter over at Nesson. Zach, Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing great, Brady. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. Yeah, been a while. Last time we spoke, I think, was back in uh, in March, and we both thought Cam Newton was going to be the uh, starter for this team. I will say, whether it was with Cam or with Mac, I thought the Patriots could get to this exact spot. Like I said, 10 or 11 win team. I think they could contend for a wild card spot in the playoffs. So as impressive as what Mac Jones has done, is it surprising to you? 
Not really. Uh, similar to, to what you just said, going into this season, this is kind of where I expected the Patriots to be uh, in maybe right around 10 wins, competing for a wild card spot, which they now have at least a wild card spot because they did clinch a playoff spot yesterday. Uh, I think I don't think this team would be as good as they currently are if they did have Cam Newton and not Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones certainly has added um, an element to this team that they didn't have with, with Cam behind center. Um, we'll see what their ultimate postseason ceiling looks like. Um, but yeah, it's it, it is kind of funny that after all the months of discussion, it, the Patriots really are kind of right back where a lot of people thought they would be at this time of the year. Is all fixed in Foxborough because of what we saw yesterday, or is it just is it the portion of the college football schedule where Alabama plays, you know, some Division two team and then gets back into conference play? Uh, yeah, this was definitely a uh, a Charleston Southern type game uh, for the <laughs> Patriots. But uh, again, I mean, you you can't control who you play on your schedule. You can't control the fact that this game was against a two win Jaguars team that was missing a dozen guys on the COVID list. Uh, didn't have their, their top running back uh, had already fired their head coach, basically a complete disaster of an opponent in this game. But when you play a team like that, you're supposed to go out and dominate. And that's what exactly what the Patriots did in this game. So uh, I have a hard time really knocking them for anything uh, that happened in this game, just because it was such a decisive victory against a clearly overmatched opponent. Um, I'm not ready to say that just because they beat up on the Jaguars that everything is great and they, they are now back to being Super Bowl contenders like everybody thought they were a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I definitely think that this week in Miami uh, will say a lot about this team uh, and then obviously whoever they end up facing in the first round of the playoffs. But it, it was certainly an encouraging step in the right direction and you can kind of view this team as, as being back on track a little bit uh, after a couple kind of hectic, chaotic weeks. You know, one of the things that was unique and cool about being in the stadium yesterday was, you know, I got there about 90 minutes beforehand, and you're looking up on the big board at the stadium, and you're seeing all the players come out, and you just saw an energy that I don't know that had been there the last couple of weeks. Dancing Kendrick Bourne was a trip to watch on the uh, on the Jumbotron there. Um, it seemed like they were having fun, and it seemed like there was a joy that hadn't been there the last couple of weeks. Am I reading it right, or am I just not in the stadium every week to see it? No, I think that's accurate. I think there was definitely some more juice uh, from the players just watching the the end, kind of the, the the fourth quarter of this game once everything had been really decided and most of the starters were out. Guys were just having a great time on the sideline. They were kind of laughing it up. You, you saw that clip that's been all over the place of Bill Belichick uh, laughing with Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne on the sideline, which uh, obviously is something you don't typically see from Bill Belichick in the middle of a game, but yeah, Belichick this said this morning, I believe it was on WEI, that the Patriots had one of their better weeks of practice uh, in a while leading into this game. Uh, Jamie Collins said last week that they might have gotten a little bit complacent uh, after their seven-game winning streak, and some of that might have contributed to the fact that they did lo lose those two straight games. So it, it did seem like something sort of clicked in the minds of the Patriots last week where, where they said, all right, we're going down a track that is going to end in disaster if we keep going down this way and kind of we just need to shift our mindset and, and get back to to what we were doing earlier in the year and surely or it, at least for one game that that seemed to have worked because they really came out and, and fixed a lot of the issues that had been plaguing them in those two losses they they started fast they were great on third down 
They didn't have a ton of penalties. They didn't have any turnovers. Really, a lot of those self-inflicted errors that really killed them against the Colts and against the Bills, you didn't see those in this game. Again, consider the opponent. It was a very overmatched Jaguars team, but it was really a step in the right direction in a lot of ways, I think. Zach Cox, Pats insider over at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, reacting to the Patriots' 50-10 to win over the Jags yesterday at Gillette Stadium. You know, former Patriots linebacker Ted Johnson said on your television rival yesterday that he thought the Pats took too much satisfaction from this win yesterday. How do you react to a comment like that? I mean, I guess it depends. Maybe we won't know until we see how they come out next week. Uh, if yeah. they're kind of riding high after this loss and, and they come out sloppy and slow uh, against the Dolphins in week 18, then you can say maybe they were reading press clippings that, that shouldn't have even been been printed after a game like this. Um, but uh, I, I kind of viewed it the same way that you did. I think it's a good thing that this team had that kind of energy and that kind of excitement coming into this game. Uh, as long as they view it through the, the correct lens of this was just one game against a pretty terrible team and not, oh, great, we're back, everything's fixed. Um, but just from talking to, to some of the guys after the game, that wasn't the sense that I got from this team. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to reserve judgment on that before until I see how they look down in Miami. But uh, I didn't view it as a big issue. For all the warts that Nikhil Harry has as a pass catcher or a route runner, he is known to be a very good run blocker and known to be physical in the run game. Patriots like to run the football. They're going to need to run the football in the playoffs. So do you think that this is a one-off performance by Christian Wilkerson and Harry's back in there when they become a run-based team again in the playoffs? Or is Harry done now? I don't know. It's it's going to be tough to, in my mind, it's tough to justify putting Nikhil Harry back into the lineup after what happened yesterday I mean he was he was a healthy scratch after playing almost every snap against Buffalo the week before and just really failing to make an impact only had two catches for 15 yards in that game had the really bad drop uh had some which looked like a a potential maybe effort issue on the uh on the interception that came right after that drop and talking to to Bill Belichick after the game and this morning he said that he put Christian Wilkerson in there because Wilkerson proved that he or he deserved this opportunity based on what he had shown behind the scenes. Uh, and Bill Belichick also included a little line that said, it's it's nice to see a guy go in there and, and actually kind of capitalize on his opportunity and prove to his teammates that he can do that in, in those kind of spots, which obviously is something that we really haven't seen Nikhil Harry do uh, really over the course of his entire Patriots tenure. So I don't know, maybe he is back in, in into the lineup next week. Uh, he definitely does bring value as a run blocker. Uh, I, I think that's, I mean, even if it's a little bit overstated, it's definitely a strength of his game. But uh, I don't know. The fact that he was not in this lineup when Nelson Aguilar was out with a concussion and he would have played a, another pretty large role, uh, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. In my mind, I would I personally wouldn't put, put him back in there, uh, especially because come playoff time, you'll be able to use Christian Wilkerson without calling him up from the practice squad because you get unlimited uh, elevations in, in the playoffs. So. I don't know. To me, this this seemed like it could potentially be a, a kind of sign of, of the end for Nikhil Harry uh, in New England. I don't know if that's an overreaction or not, but it just it, it seems like they've really tried everything they can with this guy and nothing is really working. You know, on the other side, it's not every day that you get to see the number one pick in the draft in his draft year. So what would you make of Trevor Lawrence? I I understand, you know, he stared down a receiver, at least on one of his picks. Um, the Miles Bryant interception I thought was more of a drop than something that Lawrence, per, you know, 
did wrong. What'd you make of Lawrence overall? He made some plays. He's definitely got talent. I, I mean, you saw the scramble for the first down. Uh, you saw a couple pretty good downfield passes from him. It, it's just so hard to judge him in this offense and in this this franchise that he's currently a part of. Just everything is such a mess around him. Uh, you, you can watch him and you see the the tools, you see the talent, you see the potential, but it just hasn't translated on the field because he's playing with a bunch of replacement level guys for a team that was just kind of embroiled in turmoil all season. As I mentioned, I already fired their head coach a couple of weeks ago. It's just, I have a really hard time making any kind of projections or conclusions about Lawrence based on what we've seen from him this season. And to me, that's why, that's why the, this hire for the Jaguars, whoever they end up bringing in as their new head coach to replace uh, Urban Meyer is just absolutely crucial for them because if if you miss on that next coaching hire if you bring in somebody else that just doesn't work out and flops quickly that's that's the kind of thing that could ruin this uh, a quarterback like this even one as talented as Trevor Lawrence so I definitely saw some potential from him uh, but I'm hoping they put some things together down there and they they put some pieces around him because I, I do think he can still be a very good quarterback does Tom Brady's unwavering support of Antonio Brown make Brady unlikable in any way? You could say that. Um, it, I'm interested to see how everything shakes out with this Antonio Brown thing, uh, especially with with Brady's comments on the kind of seeming to to hint towards some 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 mental illness issues yeah. or, or some mental problems at least coming out of this. So uh, I do have a hard time drawing big conclusions from from this incident too but uh, i mean it does seem like this is something that a lot of people predicted it probably came a little bit later than most people were were thinking i mean i was honestly pretty surprised that he made it through that whole first season with the buccaneers but now here in year two you had the the whole vaccination card thing and then this is just one of the more public blow-ups in the middle of a game by a star player that i can remember i mean i yeah. personally can't remember a a similar situation to this with a player as high caliber as Antonio Brown. And obviously Brady has been his, his biggest uh, fan and biggest supporter uh, for the last couple of years. So I definitely don't think it looks great um, from Brady's perspective that he did kind of advocate so hard for this guy. And, and this is how it, it ends up ending for him in Tampa. Zach Cox of Nesson Patriots reporter. I'll get you out of here on this. You know, yesterday was my first Patriots game and I've, you know, I go to a handful of NFL games. I think it's like my fourth one in seven years. You don't realize until you are at a game how attached you are to the first down line on TV <laughs> games. Like, you don't realize, like, just how much you miss it. You go the other way. You see most games in person. What is different for you watching on TV than watching in person? The big thing is the replays for me. The first down line is definitely, uh, definitely important. But from where we are in the press box, you have a pretty good kind of sense of everything. But the replays are tough. Sometimes I go back and, and watch a game, or I typically go go back and, and rewatch the game the next day, and there are moments that I honestly just kind of completely miss in real time, especially mm -hmm. if they're like a, a real tight, tight zoomed-in replay of a certain play that just isn't really evident from, from watching it in person. So it's a different experience. Mm -hmm. I, I like being at the game. You like having the crowd. You like kind of being able to see some things that, that you don't see on TV. But I would say the viewing product is probably better from home watching on the TV with how good these broadcasts are nowadays uh, than being out there in the stands. But 
it, it, it's always fun to be at a football game though so i can't really complain I have determined that society would be a lot happier if we just carry giant video boards around. Cause I have never seen people get as happy as they do when they appear on the jumbotron <laughs> that I saw yesterday. I mean, these people were just loving life. Every single one of them, five-year-old kids, 55 year old women. It did not matter. Hey, it's, it's a big win. Whenever you get up on the video screen, that that's a, that's a day maker <laughs> right there. Zach Cox, Pat's insider over at Ness and follow his work on social media. He's great. Always generous with his time with us. Zach, we will talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Brady. Absolutely. Zach Cox, one of the best on the Patriots beat again over at Nesson. We will unpack the Patriots. We'll get into some more of what Zach had to say. We'll also talk about the Antonio Brown stuff. That's all coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. What we will do is we will step aside, get a national news update from CBS News, and then I'll come back and tell you how my social media posts sparked a whole lot of unintended confusion yesterday. My trip to the Patriot game. All I was trying to do was make a funny caption. Multiple people took it the wrong way. We'll talk about that next here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com, and always on the WDEV radio app. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Thanks to Zach Cox, our Patriots insider over at Nesson, for stopping by with us here on this Monday, the Full show podcast will be available on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify after the show, but our interview with Zach Cox already up. A great job by our staff. So all of our interviews there are uh, are housed on our podcast channel, so you can always find them if you ever miss anything. We'll get into some more about the patch here momentarily, but I have to tell you first about how my social media post yesterday sparked immense confusion and I didn't even realize it. So I apparently yesterday made a made poor judgment on social media. So I get to Gillette Stadium. Jess and I, my fiance, we get to the stadium about 90 minutes before game time. We're in our seats at 11:46, I remember. So we're there at that point. That's 75 minutes before game time. I take a picture of the field. Almost nobody is on the field. There's almost nobody in the stands. Everybody's still out tailgating. So I take a picture, a wide shot of the stadium from our seats, and I caption it, baby's first Patriots game. And that was a reference to me as is, is as it was my first Patriots game. I don't even know if that's even funny, right? Like, we see all these things, baby's first Christmas, baby's first ornament, baby's first Christmas tree. It was just kind of the season. So I wrote baby's first Patriots game, and I was referencing myself. Again, I don't even know if it's funny. I don't know if it's clever. I don't know if it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. But at, 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 at the time, I thought it was funny. So I post that picture with that caption on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, right? On all three of my work accounts, I post that caption. Baby's first Patriots game with that picture. I'm not in the picture. No one's in the picture. It just says, baby's first Patriots game, and there's the field. And people took that wrong on in all sorts of ways, I find out. My aunt asked my mom, her sister, if I was announcing that Jess and I were having a baby. Like... 
as in that Jess was there carrying our unborn child, and that was our way of announcing it at the Patriots game. She legitimately thought, my aunt legitimately thought, that the picture of the field with the caption, Baby's First Patriots Game, was a announcement that we are now with child as a couple. She really thought that. Like, legitimately thought that. And when my mom said, no, I don't think so, she said, are you sure? This feels huge to me. I said, I'm like, trust me, aunt, my aunt, if if we were with child, that would not be the way that I announce it. My, my we're pregnant announcement would not come in the form of a picture of Gillette Stadium on social media without telling my family first. Like, hey, I'm not going to tell mom and dad. I'm not going to tell you. We're just going to put it on Twitter at the Patriots game with a picture of Gillette Stadium. That's not how I would announce that we're with child, that we're expecting. So people took baby's first Patriots game to mean that we were having a baby. So that was wrong. Then my mom tells her, I don't think that they're pregnant. I think he's referring to Jess saying like, hey, it's my baby. Like my, you know, babe, sweetie, sweetheart, honey, like. It's my sweetheart's first Patriots game, and it was in reference to her. Well, that wasn't true either. Jess has been to a Patriots game before. She's been to Gillette Stadium. I was the Gillette Stadium virgin. I was the one who had never been to Gillette Stadium. So now we're 0 for 2. People think we're having a baby, and that's not right. People think I'm referring to Jess as my baby, and that wasn't right. And then I wonder how many of you out there that interacted or saw that just assumed I had a child already and took the baby with us to the game. So three different things were either confirmed thought or likely thought, and none of them were right. Baby's first Patriots game was not in reference to I'm having a child. It was not in reference to my fiance being my baby. And it was not in reference to, hey, we've already got a kid and they are at the game with us. None of those three things happened. None of those three things were right. The only thing that was right was that baby's first Patriots game was in reference to me. So, uh, and someone says that your aunt wasn't wrong in coming to that conclusion. Apparently not. I was the moron who put it up. I thought it was funny. Now thinking about it, not only did it cause a lot of confusion, it doesn't sound that funny. In the moment, in the in the mist of Foxborough with the rain on my screen trying to get up something quick, witty, and clever, I decided to type baby's first Patriots game and evidently all hell broke loose. I turned off my phone for most of the game because I was trying to conserve my battery because I had my e-ticket for the train on the way back. So when I turn my phone on, I find out that the world's gone to hell. My aunt thinks we're having a child, and I've decided to announce it on social media before telling the family. My mom incorrectly tells her that she's wrong, and then I'm talking about Jess. That wasn't true either. And then I just wonder how many people were out there wondering if I had somewhere was carrying a stroller, you know, in, in one arm around Gillette Stadium because I already had a kid. That wasn't right either. No. I was the baby in baby's first Patriots game. It wasn't funny. It clearly didn't land right. And now I regret putting it up because everybody was uh, was unsure of what I meant. So there you go.
That's how I turned the world upside down on social media yesterday. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I do want to... Uh, uh, someone says, did anybody think it was a typo? Because, like, if I typed Brady, it could have come out as baby and autocorrect. Look, that's possible, too. But then I would be the arrogant jerk who's referring to himself in the third person. Brady's first Patriots game as opposed to my first Patriots game. I already was, you know, in the two and a half person by calling myself baby or, or a baby in that. So... If I just typed Brady's first Patriots game on my own social media, you would all have cause to throw uh, water balloons at me or something. Because that would be about as arrogant as it gets, referring to yourself in the third person. It's like, uh, have you ever seen the Seinfeld episode where George starts referring to himself in the third person? George likes his chicken spicy because he has the Kung Pao chicken. And uh, they got the guy, uh, damn, what's his name? Um, oh, Jimmy goes, Jimmy's going to get you, Kramer. Jimmy's going to – don't touch Jimmy. That's what That's what. – nobody likes the guy who talks in third person. Unless you're Deion Sanders, then Deion can do it. Like, Deion, you know, Deion played well today. Like, Deion can refer to himself in the third person. I cannot. Uh, quick victory lap. Quick golfer's clap for our six-pack of NFL questions on Thursday. We told you the best game of the week would be Raiders-Colts. It was great. We told you that Chiefs-Bengals would be the most intriguing game of the weekend. It was. We told you Kyler Murray was under the most pressure and he needed and he needed a win, and he got it. So a little golfer's clap there on our six-pack of NFL questions. Now, back to the Patriots. They're headed to the playoffs, 10-6. and six. Pats beat the Jags 50-10. to 10. As I tell you all the time, two things can be true at once. Don't ever forget that. In life recognize that there is nuance to conversations. Two things can be true at once. A lot of times in this business, a lot of times in this business, in this business, people want you to have one absolute opinion. And if you don't take one side, you're doing it wrong. No, that's not right. There is room for nuance in conversation. Two things can be true at once, and two things are true with the Patriots yesterday. Number one, I am thrilled at what I saw yesterday from the Pats. Thrilled. That is number one. But what is also true is that what we saw yesterday doesn't mean that everything is fixed. All the concerns we had a week ago are not just gone because... They beat the Jaguars 50-10. to 10. We'll start with number one. I am thrilled at what I saw yesterday. Thursday, before the holiday, we played a little game. We said, what do we want to see from the Patriots, and what do we need to see? And all the things that I listed of what I wanted and what I needed to see, I saw a lot of both. And since I saw a lot of both, of course I have to be happy. I saw almost everything that I wanted. I told you on Thursday that in this game on Sunday, I needed, it was a must for us to see attention to detail from the Patriots. We needed to see them not make the silly mistakes that had plagued them against both Buffalo and Indy. And yesterday, we saw nearly a flawless game. Attention to detail was not just better. It was nearly flawless. 
They committed no penalties. Or, I'm sorry, they committed no turnovers. They committed just three penalties. They started fast, which Zach Cox just told us. They were 8 of 10 on third down. The Jags were 3 of 9 on third down. So defensively, they were better. Offensively, they were cleaner. There's a reason why they won an NFL game by 40 points, because they were generally clean. Their two slip-ups were on kick attempts, on extra points. They've got to clean that up. But by and large, they played a flawless game yesterday. I needed to see attention to detail. I saw attention to detail. I feel great about that. That is part of the reason why I am thrilled in what I saw yesterday. I also told you on Thursday that I needed, it was a must, for me to see the Patriots play with a joy and an excitement that they hadn't been playing with. And I also needed to see them play with a confident attitude. We saw both of those things. We saw them all day long. In pregame warm-ups, and because I was there, I really got a chance to look at this. In pregame warm-ups, the Pats were dancing and moving around, smiling. They were having fun. They looked like they were ready to play. The last two weeks, it felt like there was pressure, right? Against the Colts, it felt like there was pressure. Against the Bills, it felt like there was pressure. Pressure to hold a top seed. Pressure to clinch a division title. Pressure to hold on to a two seed. Pressure to beat your division rival. There was pressure the last two weeks, and I felt like yesterday we didn't see pressure. We saw fun. And I thought that that was an excellent thing. So if you ask me, how do you feel coming out of yesterday's win? I feel great because everything that I wanted to see for the most part, I saw. Everything that I needed to see for the most part, I saw. They were focused. There was attention to detail. I saw the, I, I, I saw the mental mistakes were gone, and I saw an excitement. And to me, that was all great. However, one former Patriot doesn't think it was all great. Ted Johnson, former Patriots linebacker, said this last night. As good of a win this was for the Patriots, and they ran up the score, I think to kind of build, get this team feeling good about themselves is I feel like a little bit like this team uh, is a little too excited from this win. How do you feel about that? 802-585-3026. Ted Johnson, a guy with Super Bowl rings, he's got, he's got skins on the wall. He says he thinks the Patriots were too excited by that win. And that that win basically wasn't worth getting you all riled up for. I disagree. I disagree with Ted Johnson here. I do understand where he's coming from. Ted Johnson is coming from a place where, in his career, the Patriots were supposed to win Super Bowls. And when you are supposed to win Super Bowls, you aren't supposed to enjoy individual wins over bad teams. But this Patriots team is not that Patriots team. Of course they want to win the Super Bowl. They do. Of course they do. Every team that gets to the playoffs wants to win the Super Bowl. But this Patriots team is young, is energetic. I've been telling you this for weeks. This team is different. Tom Brady teams, they come from the Ted Johnson way of thinking. Hey, we celebrate at the end when we've won the Super Bowl. Young teams that are building, that are on the ascent, they can celebrate along the way because the end isn't guaranteed. With Tom Brady in New England, it was Super Bowl or bust. 
with Mac Jones in his rookie year, I'm just being honest with you, it's not Super Bowl or bust. This season right now is a success. We can be disappointed that they've choked away the number one seed, but this season is a success, and this team is allowed to enjoy the moments along the way. And when you have your a two-game losing streak, and then you erase that with a 40-point win, this team is allowed to celebrate. Maybe the Matthew Stafford win or bust Rams can't celebrate this game. The Tom Brady win or bust Bucks can't celebrate this game. The Ben Roethlisberger when we're in our prime Steelers shouldn't celebrate this game. The Peyton Manning Broncos shouldn't celebrate this game. This Patriots team right now, they can. This team can. This team is allowed to enjoy the journey, not just the final destination. Patriots have been enjoying the final destination for a really long time. Now they get to enjoy the journey with this group. In two or three years, I'll probably go back to saying, you know what? No, they're Super Bowl favorites. Don't enjoy this win like this. But right now, today, the Pats deserve to enjoy it. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. So, look, as I started this segment with, two things can be true at once. I do feel great about where the Patriots were yesterday and what happened. But, capital B, capital U, capital T, but yesterday's great performance and how I feel about it doesn't mean that all things are fixed in Foxborough. This team isn't perfect. We know that. They're 10-6, and six, not 16-0. This team is not perfect. We know it, and we've seen it. And we've seen it two of the last three weeks that their warts have been exposed. As it stands right now, they need to go on the road to Buffalo, a team that just beat them, and play them in the playoffs. As it stands today, pass will be the five, Bills will be the four. They'd have to go on the road and win three games in order to get to the Super Bowl, and that's extremely tough to do. So while I feel great about what I saw yesterday, I don't necessarily sit here and think, hey, book the tickets to Los Angeles. They still have questions about if they can run it effectively and play the way they want against a playoff defense. Mac Jones still has questions like, can he pass his way to a big playoff win? Do the Pats have enough for good receivers to win against playoff secondaries? They're all fair questions. And they're all things that still exist, and none of them were answered because of yesterday. So I can feel good, and I do, but it doesn't mean everything is fixed. I like that they addressed the mental mistakes yesterday. I like that those weren't there yesterday. But the physical stuff, those are still questions. They weren't answered because he beat the Jags. Can Jacoby, you know, can Jacoby Myers win against the Chiefs secondary? Can Mac Jones win with a line that's bearing down on him like Buffalo's was last week? We don't know. The questions are still there. But I do feel good in what we saw yesterday. Zach Cox said it was a good start. Bob and Moncton says, Brady, they smoked the Jaguars and had fun because they knew that Baby was in the stands. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Bob. Yes, Baby's first Patriots game. Yeah. Not a good tweet. Not a smart tweet. Not even a funny tweet. Not even a clever thing to put on social media. And I got like a lot of interaction on that. Like five or six likes on 
on my Facebook work page, five or six likes on my Instagram work page, five or six likes on Twitter. And I'm just wondering now how many of you took it in which direction? Because I have no idea. When we come back, we'll get to who's saying what. I don't want to do it now because I need way longer than what this segment would afford me. Antonio Brown. People are saying we should be empathetic towards him today. I'll tell you why I'm having a really hard time doing that. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Steve says you are having a hard time with Antonio Brown because he shouldn't even be in the league. He's only there because of Tom Brady. We're going to get to Antonio Brown right now coming up here as part of who's saying what. But you, like Steve, can get in on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. I think a lot of people out there have a lot of things to say about Antonio Brown. So let's get to who's saying what. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Mac Jones. Good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. You just got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race, and I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Who's Saying What is brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash, which is Central Vermont's home of unlimited car washes, beginning at only $20 a month. We got snow, we got salt, we got ice out there. We got things melting, we got things freezing. Your cars are messes. I know this because my car's a mess too. I could use a car wash myself. So unlimited car washes, $20 a month at Vermont Laser Wash. If you want a free car wash, one free, one complimentary for my listeners, just text the word Vermont to the number 30. And then 400. So that's 30400. Text the word Vermont. The Antonio Brown saga is crazy. By now, 24 plus hours later, you've seen this. Antonio Brown left the field yesterday as the Bucks were down to the Jets, ultimately beat the Jets. But Antonio Brown leaves the field. And then he derobed, throws some of his jersey components into the crowd. And after the game, Bruce Arian said that Antonio Brown is no longer a Buck. Now, he was not officially released by the Bucks today, but that's where it stood last night. There's a lot of clips that I have. I have a ton of clips today about Antonio Brown. I want to at least start with this one. Yesterday, after the game, Tom Brady on the Antonio Brown story. I think everybody should you know, hopefully do what they can to help him in ways that you know he really needs it. You know, We all love him. We care about him deeply. You know, we want to see him be at his best, and, you know, unfortunately, he won't be with our team, but we have a lot of friendships that, that will last. And most important thing about football are the relationships with their, your friends and your teammates, and they go beyond the field. And I think everyone should, should be very compassionate and empathetic toward some very difficult things that are happening. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. I don't have a lot of empathy at all for Antonio Brown. And I also don't have a lot of empathy at all for Tom Brady in this thing. I talked about Antonio Brown last week, and you could recycle a lot of that conversation into today's conversation. We will start with Brown. I don't have empathy for him because Antonio Brown is a bad person. Genuinely, 
I'm empathetic and sympathetic to good people. Simply put, if you are a good person, I will genuinely find I will generally rather find some compassion for you. There are good people who make mistakes. There are good people who do bad things. There are good people who battle horrible addictions. I often, at least part of me, will feel bad for those people. I feel bad for, for former Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon, who by all accounts is a good guy. He's a quiet guy. He's not a me guy. He doesn't make it about him. Now, he's obviously made bad decisions and, and suffers from addiction, I, f I feel some level of compassion for Josh Gordon. I feel for guys who suffer from anxiety when they're good people. Okay, I don't feel those things for Antonio Brown. Good people, I have compassion for. Antonio Brown, I don't. Antonio Brown stiffs those who are around him money-wise. Right? We've heard that we heard about that he doesn't pay the chef. And we heard about getting in the fight with the delivery driver. He berated the mother of his child in public in the street and called her awful, awful things. And if he says that in public, what is he saying behind closed doors? What is he doing behind closed doors? Antonio Brown has quit on the teammates he's made in Pittsburgh and in Oakland. And he's ruined things for himself in Foxborough. In addition, now... To the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Where am I supposed to draw sympathy from? And on top of all of that, Antonio Brown has sexual assault allegations against him. I have zero tolerance for that. Zero sympathy. If someday it came out that those allegations weren't true, then I might change my tune. But as of now, the show is today. And this is what we know. I don't have sympathy for Antonio Brown. To me, he is just a bad guy who has had far too many chances. And Colin Cowherd of Fox Sports Radio said on his podcast today, largely the same thing I'm saying. Every time A.B. goes sideways, the media rushes out and goes, hey, be, be empathetic, mental health issues. I'm not a mental health expert. We should always err on the side of compassion. But I've heard that now four different times. He was kicked out of Florida International. He was a problem in Pittsburgh and in Oakland and in New England, and he keeps being enabled. At some point, the problem is just Antonio Brown. The problem is not everybody around him. The problem is not this or not that. It's not the culture. It's not the system. It's not the city. It's not the team. The problem is just you. And when the problem is you, I don't have a lot of compassion. This is Antonio Brown with a history and a pattern of behavior that is erratic, mercurial and in sometimes dangerous and in some cases abusive certainly verbally I saw that and potentially physically if the sexual assault allegations are true I don't have time for that Antonio Brown is not a good person good people who battle things they deserve compassion people who are great to the world but can't get out of their own way, deserve compassion. Antonio Brown is a train wreck, and he has been a train wreck for a long time. And I am done giving him chances. I am done feeling bad for him. And I am done with my compassion for him. That was years ago for me. 
Three years ago, maybe there was some compassion. But when you ruin your way out of Oakland and you berate your general manager on the field and then you have sexual assault allegations that come out, I'm out of compassion for you. And Nick Wright of Fox Sports Radio said essentially the same thing also. It is absolutely possible and maybe even likely that part of Antonio Brown's issues stem from some either diagnosed or undiagnosed mental health issue. I know compassion is not a limited resource, but I feel like I only have access to so much of it at any given moment. I'm not going to waste a ton of it on Antonio Brown. He's gotten more chances than 99% of people ever would. He does his best to squander them. It seems like he treats people terribly, yes. maybe criminally. He doesn't seem like a good guy at all. I think he ended his NFL career today. Well, I don't care about his NFL career. I wanted Antonio Brown done a while ago. I could care less. But as far as feeling bad for him, I just don't. He has brought a lot of this on himself. And I always see this. We talk about mental health. Well, I always see this one. Oh, but Brady... He may have CTE, and this may cause him to do these things. Look, he may. That is certainly possible. And if that gets found out someday, then once more, I'll probably amend my statement. But by saying that right now, all you're doing is covering for him, and I'm not going to cover for him. If it gets found out someday that Antonio Brown suffered from CTE and that caused these behavioral uh, abnormalities, if we found that out, then I would say he's he's a much more empathetic figure. But right now, once again, the show is today. And today, all I see is a guy who has repeatedly hurt those in his life, has repeatedly hurt his teammates, has hurt everyone who's given him a chance, and some who have given him multiple chances. I'm not interested. I'm not in the empathy department for Antonio Brown. If someday mental illness or CTE gets found out about him, then I will start to walk back these comments. Until then, though, Antonio Brown is a bad guy that I never wanted around the Patriots in 2019, and I haven't wanted to spend a lot of time talking about. And frankly, as I told you last week, last week, I am very disappointed in, and upset by Tom Brady's actions and all this. Tom Brady is generally a good guy. He's supposed to be a leader. He's supposed to be a good guy. And this relationship and this love affair with Antonio Brown really makes him unlikable. Tom Brady is either so attached to winning that he's willing to sell his soul to the devil in order to win. And look, the willingness to do whatever it takes has gotten Tom Brady to be the greatest of all time. But apparently, he might not be able to to to, to find the line. And in this case, with this love affair of A.B. and this constant defending of him, he's crossed it. And I don't like that. This defending of Antonio Brown, to me, is potentially an unwillingness to, 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 to recognize the line between when wanting to win at all costs is a good thing and a bad thing. And right now, in this case, it feels like a detriment. Tom Brady didn't need 
Antonio Brown last year with the Bucks. Not in my mind. He didn't need Antonio Brown this year with the Bucks. This team at the beginning of the year was bringing back 20 they without him 21 starters. They brought back all 22 with Antonio Brown. They could have dealt well with just the 21. So Brady didn't need Brown, and he wanted him anyways. That I don't like. And two, maybe Tom Brady feels like the need to save Antonio Brown, and it's some kind of spiritual calling for him. But at some point, you've got to realize you just can't save everybody. And Antonio, Tom Brady has given Antonio Brown a bunch of chances, and all he's done is spit in his face for the most part. He played nice for a little bit last year. There was an eight-game suspension last year before he ever got activated. There was a suspension this year for the fake vaccination card. He has repeatedly let his teammates down everywhere he's been. And he's let Tom Brady down, despite the fact that Tom Brady keeps going to bat for him. And as Zach Cox told us a little while ago, the Pats insider at Nesson, who's covered Brady and Brown, he said this whole thing doesn't make Brady look real good. And he was certainly right when he said that. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEV Radio. All right, we do this every single post-game day. Let's get to unpacking the Patriots, everybody. Do we have the uh, NFL primetime music? Let's get it. Thank you very much. Here we go. Now the unpacking the Patriots sounder. The good. Play action here. Lawrence too high and intercepted. Miles Bryant on the return. Down the sideline, cuts it back, and spun down. Second career interception for Miles Bryant. The good. Jones, end zone for Myers, touchdown! We unpack the Patriots now on the Brady Farkas Show. Yeah, unpacking the Patriots here on this Monday. Usually, you know, it's the good and the bad. No, no, no. There was only good. Patriots beat the Jaguars 50-10. to They're headed back to the playoffs. We talked earlier in the show about the things that I wanted to see out of the, or out of the things that I needed to see, rather, in this Patriots game. Well, a lot of what I wanted to see happened yesterday as well. I wanted to see both Damian Harris and, and Ramondre Stevenson make an impact in the run game. We did. Harris, two touchdowns. Stevenson, two touchdowns. Stevenson, ran for more than 100 yards. The Patriots continue to be able to move the ball on the ground in a multitude of ways. Harris ran well, exhibited some great cuts down near the goal line, especially in the Patriots' first touchdown drive. Stevenson ran hard, 19 carries for 107. Kendrick Bourne ran all over the field. Eight tackles for Claybrooks today and two passes defensed on third down. Bourne has a first down and more. Kendrick Bourne exploding down the sideline. And Josh Allen is able to drag him down. You saw the acceleration from Kendrick Bourne, and he races for 46 yards. Bourne had a good day on the ground. Jonu Smith had a nice carry, I think, for 20 yards. But this team goes as their run game goes. They found a way to get everybody involved. But what I wanted to see was Stevenson and Harris, the two-headed monster. They are at their best. This team is at their best. When Stevenson and Harris can run the ball physically and Brandon Bolden can be the screen guy. And if Bolden hadn't dropped the pass, he may have had a touchdown in the screen game as well. I wanted to see it. I saw it. I feel good about it. Number two, unpacking the Patriots here on this Monday. I say this kind of laughingly, and I said it kind of laughingly on Thursday, but 
I wanted to see the Jaguars punt. And we did see it. I wanted to see the Jaguars punt. It seems like a laughable thing, but to me it was real. The Bills literally did not punt in week number 16. The Patriots didn't force a turnover, and we saw what life was like against Buffalo. They could not get off the field. Well, yesterday, I wanted to see the Patriots come out and say, look, can they get an NFL offense off the field? And they were able to do that. The Jaguars were 3 of 9 on third down. The Patriots held them. It wasn't like they were repeatedly getting third and 10 like happening against Buffalo. Trevor Lawrence wasn't getting third and 7 all over the field. The Pats forced turnovers. They had three picks, but they also got the Jags off the field. And that is what I wanted to see. I understand it's the Jaguars, and we could talk about this, that, or the other. But they forced punts. They got off the field, and they're going to need that to happen as we move forward into the playoffs. Number three at wide receiver, Christian Wilkerson played awesome yesterday. But I'm not so sure that he's going to overtake Nikhil Harry when it counts. Now remember, Wilkerson is a guy we heard a lot about in training camp. We heard a lot about him in the preseason. As I recall, he had a few drops in the preseason, including, I think, one that would have been a touchdown from Mac Jones before Mac Jones was the starter. So Wilkerson didn't make the team, goes to the practice squad, and he went off yesterday. Four catches, 42 yards, two touchdowns, one of which was here. Jones rolling right. Throws back, wide open, touchdown! So Wilkerson gets two touchdowns, and he had a third, too, in his hands, and he ended up dropping that one. But Wilkerson had a great game. And I love Wilkerson's story. He battled his, his tail off all, all preseason, battled his tail off all season, finally gets rewarded here in Week 17 and scores his first two NFL touchdowns. It's a great story of perseverance, of overcoming obstacles, of making the most of an opportunity. I love the Christian Wilkerson story. That said, I don't know that Nikhil Harry is getting replaced like everybody thinks. Zach Cox told me an hour ago he wouldn't put Harry back on the field. But what did we just say? The Patriots are a run-first team. They're going to need to run in the playoffs to win. They're going to need a physicality. You're going to play in bad weather. They're going to play in Buffalo. They're going to play in Cincinnati. They're going to play in Kansas City. Unless they play Tennessee, they're going to a lot of cold-weather places potentially in the playoffs. They're going to need to run the football. Nikhil Harry is a good run blocker. I know you think he can't catch. I know you think he's a giant bust. And some of those, you know, some facet of that is true. But he's a physical run blocker. Christian Wilkerson made the most of his opportunity yesterday, and he was legit in that win over the Jaguars. But if you need to run the football... Nikhil Harry is the guy that can help you do that. So I'm not convinced that we've seen the last of Nikhil Harry for this season. Number four, finally, here on Unpacking the Patriots. The Miles Bryant interception was the biggest play of the game. Let me take you back to it. Play action here. Lawrence, too high, and intercepted! Miles Bryant on the return, down the sideline, cuts it back, and spun down. Second career interception for Miles Bryant. Yeah, the other one was, uh, let's see, 
interesting thing on Twitter that I'm going to have to get to tomorrow. But uh, nonetheless, let me keep my focus back here. Miles Bryant, second career interception. The first was uh, last year Thursday night football against the Rams. I remember that in a game in which the Pats got blown out. So why was the Miles Bryant interception yesterday the biggest play of the game? Well, the Patriots were up 14-3 in the second quarter. Jacksonville had scored on its previous drive, their field goal, and then they had just completed a long pass, 24 yards. They were on the Patriots' side of the field, and then this happens. Bryant gets the interception, brings it down to the Jags' 33, and now the Pats score. It's 21-3, and it's a blowout, and the route is on. But if Bryant doesn't make that play, the Jags, look, they may go down and kick a field goal and it's 14-6, but more times come off the clock and the game remains close going into halftime. The Pats, the Jaguars might score a touchdown and it's 14-10 and they've got some momentum. But Jacksonville on its field goal drive moved the ball. Then Jacksonville was moving the ball. That was the eighth play of the drive that Bryant picked. So they had moved the ball and Lawrence had hit a big pass, I believe, to Marvin Jones Jr., if it's 14-6 or 14-10, it may very well be a different game. But Bryant's interception, he brings it deep back the other way. They score a touchdown, 21-3, and the game is pretty much over at that point. So that's why that was the biggest play of the game. Jags are down 21-3 after that pick, after the touchdown that ensues it. They become a one-dimensional team, and that, as they say, was that. Pats, 50-10 winners, 10-6, headed to the playoffs. Pretty darn cool. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. It is pretty darn cool that the Pats are in the playoffs. But I'm not surprised. Do you remember what I was saying months ago? I'm here to take my victory lap. That's next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I'm not surprised where the Patriots are. And I want somebody in this building to go through the archives and find the tapes of what I was saying about this team in training camp and in the preseason. Because I believed every step of the way, save for maybe when they were 2-4, and four, I have believed that this team would get here. I said all along, I thought the Patriots would be a 10 or 11 win team. And right now they have 10 wins, could be 11. And I believe that they would contend for the division title that they could at their highest end. And going into week 18, they are doing that. But it was likely they would battle for a wild card spot. I am here to, co- to, to collect my victory lap. And I also said that whether it was Cam Newton or Mac Jones, I thought the team could do this. What we're watching this year with the Patriots is impressive. It is not surprising. Of course it's impressive that Mac Jones learned everything the way he learned it. Of course it's impressive the team has stayed relatively healthy most of the year. Of course it's impressive that the team has been able to battle COVID you know, better than a lot of other teams have and haven't missed You know, haven't missed a bunch of guys due to COVID-19. The Patriots have had some luck. They've had some good fortune. They've had a lot of skill, and they deserve a lot of credit. What they've done this year is impressive. It is not surprising. I think that this team always had this in it. You spend that much money, a quarter of a billion dollars in the offseason, you instantly put yourself in the conversation. 
I thought that Mac Jones could be a very effective quarterback game manager in this system. I, I, I want somebody to find – back in the summer when intern Jack was giving me nothing but grief for two and a half months about my Patriots takes, I want them to – I want the tapes to be found. The Patriots are exactly where I thought they'd be. Exactly where I thought they'd be. Sure, there was a little bit of deviation when they were 2-4, and four, probably a little bit of deviation when we thought they could get to the Super Bowl. But by and large, this was what we expected. 10 or 11 wins, battled maybe for the division, more likely you get a wild card, and you could win one game in the playoffs. And all of that is on the table. The Patriots deserve an immense amount of credit for what they've done this season. They are absolutely deserving of the praise that they have gotten a ton of areas. But what they've done shouldn't surprise you. They've got a youthful energy, a very good veteran leadership group. They spent a bunch of money. They've got the best coach in the NFL, and they've got consistency at the offensive coordinator and at the at the play-calling positions. The Patriots should be here, and they are. Nice way to punctuate it yesterday and clinch the playoff berth with that 50-10 to win over the Jags. And now it's on to Week 18. Patriots at Dolphins in their personal house of horrors. Pats have lost to Miami a bunch of years. They lost last year. They lost a couple of years ago in the Miami Miracle game where there was the Kenyon uh, Drake Hail Mary or the hook and ladder, whatever it was, where Gronk was inexplicably on the field. I mean, it's going to be a tough game in Week 18. We'll see what happens seeding-wise. But the Patriots are going to the playoffs just like I thought that they couldn't be. It's the Brady Farkas Show and WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, remember, the podcast will be available shortly after the show on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Bob Sosi, the voice of the Patriots, is going to stop by. we got a ton to get to. Get to some stuff on Josh McDaniels, more stuff on Antonio Brown, Joe Judge. i got a problem with what he said for the New York Giants. Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the Vikings, is getting all kinds of grief. We will see what happens so uh you know we'll, we'll see what everybody is saying adam schefter just now the bucks did not officially release antonio brown today there's ongoing going discussions with the nfl about how to move ahead in the situation we'll have more on that tomorrow as well thanks to zach cox of nesson we will see you tomorrow everybody dinner jazz is coming up next with lee cattell lee cattell on dinner jazz that's next right here on the friendly pioneer wdev am and fm wdevradio.com and always streaming on the free WDEV radio app.